Welcome back to Down Home Fear. My name is Hunter Keegan, and today I'm extremely excited in a morbid kind of way, I guess, because I came across a story recently that caught my interest in a way that hasn't really happened in a long time, and I couldn't wait to share this with you. It is so tragic and disturbing and captivating, and I had never heard of it before. The way I came across this is a few nights ago, I was hanging out with a friend of mine who had lived in rural Louisiana for a number of years, and I was mentioning something about DHF, and she asked me if I had ever looked into the Jennings 8, and as a matter of fact, I had not. I had never heard of the Jennings 8, and I think that a lot of other people haven't either. Again, when I say I was excited, I meant in a morbid way. This story is just, it's scary, it's, it's troubling, it's even infuriating in a lot of ways. And when I started researching this episode after having that conversation with my friend, and I came to learn more about it, I found myself haunted by the depraved violence and possible conspiracy that surrounds the Jennings 8. There are several very important elements to this story, and I want to outline them for you right now, so as the episode progresses, you have an idea for how they start fitting together. First, eight women were found dead in the swamps and canals surrounding Jennings, Louisiana, which is located in Jefferson Davis Parish. The bodies were found between 2005 through 2009, and none of the murders have been solved. The second thing that I want you to keep in mind is that Jefferson Davis Parish's local law enforcement has been embroiled in a number of scandals involving police corruption and abuse of power since at least the late 1990s. Its sheriff's department has tangled itself in a number of police brutality, sexual abuse, drug trafficking, and other controversies over the last 20 years. The third and last thing that I'd like you to keep in mind before we get deeper into all of this is that the eight women whose bodies were found were all connected to each other. Some were relatives of one another, some were close friends, some were just casual acquaintances. But also, a couple of them had even testified against the police in court during the various scandals dating back to the early 2000s. Like I said, these crimes took place in Jefferson Davis Parish, Louisiana. If you're not familiar with the term parish, whereas most states in the U.S. are divided into quote-unquote counties, Louisiana uses the term parish, to describe the various local regions within the state borders. The town of Jennings is located, again, in Jefferson Davis Parish. This case was introduced to me as the Jennings 8, but it's also frequently called the Jeff Davis 8. These murders remain unresolved, and during the episode, I'll outline the key factors in this mystery, and perhaps, together, we can speculate about what was occurring in and around Jefferson Davis Parish, and how these women met their untimely fates. (laughs) 
Jefferson Davis Parish is located in southwestern Louisiana. It's a rural community some 200 miles west of New Orleans, surrounded by extensive swampland referred to as the Bayou. Jennings is a town within the parish. Its population has remained relatively stable over the years, with around 10,000 citizens living within the community. It's a low-income area. The median household income is around $26,000 per year, with 26% of the population falling within the national poverty line. It's very rural, it's very isolated, and in August and September of 2005, it was devastated by Hurricane Katrina, as well as the lesser-known but still massive hurricane that followed it, Hurricane Rita. Just a few weeks before the hurricanes struck and caused over $125 billion in property damage and took over 1,200 lives in the Deep South, a fisherman in Jefferson Davis Parish came across a horrific discovery. Perhaps an omen of things to come, the body of Loretta Lewis, a 28-year-old woman from Jennings, was found floating in the murky waters of the bayou. Her body was so badly decomposed that investigators reported that they could not determine her cause of death. Loretta had gone missing on May 17, 2005. Her body was found on May 20th. That may not sound like a very long time, but one of the key factors in this story is that many of these victims likely had been abducted long before they were reported missing. This is because Loretta, like all other victims in this case, was involved in prostitution and drugs. You also have to keep in mind that in the bayou, especially in the summer, the sweltering heat, humidity, swarming insects, and stagnant marshland rapidly accelerate human decomposition. High levels of cocaine and alcohol were found in her body during autopsy. She was married and had two kids. She was white. She wore her blonde hair in a kind of pixie cut, she was small, she stood at just 5 foot 4 inches, and she weighed around 100 pounds. The disturbing revelation tragically set the tone for seven more incidents where the bodies of violently murdered women were found throughout Jefferson Davis Parish. Just a few weeks later, on June 18, 2005, the body of Ernestine Patterson Daniels, also named in some sources as Ernestine Daniels Patterson, was discovered. She's what I would consider conventionally attractive. She had long, dark hair and a kind smile. Like all of the Jennings Eight, Ernestine was involved in criminal activity. When she was found, her throat had been slashed and her body was said to have had high levels of drugs and alcohol in her system. She was 30 years old and she was married and had four children. One of the most difficult factors in this case is that the victims lived unconventional lifestyles. Because they were wrapped in the throes of drug addiction, poverty, and other life disruptions, it wasn't unusual for them to quote-unquote go off the grid for weeks or even months at a time, with friends and family not hearing from them at all. Therefore, it was difficult for investigators to construct useful timelines leading up to the deaths of the women. Ernestine was cremated and her memorial service was held on August 20th, 2005, just days before Hurricane Katrina began brewing in the Gulf of Mexico. 
Jennings is a small town, and rumors and speculation regarding the violent deaths of Loretta and Ernestine began circulating. A popular theory at the time was that both women had fallen victim to a group of Mexican migrant laborers who had been allegedly causing trouble around the community. Time went on, and in spring of 2007, 21-year-old Kristen Lopez, also known as Kristen Gary Lopez, was the third of the Jennings Eight. Her naked body was found floating in a canal on March 18, 2007. While her body was too badly decomposed to accurately determine a cause of death, high levels of drugs and alcohol were found in her system, just like with the other two victims. All of the women lived in Jefferson Davis Parish. They were being abducted and killed by someone who was most likely local to the area, or at least very familiar with it. We're going to get into more about the Sheriff's Department and why they're not exactly the best source for this type of information. But at the time, the Sheriff's Department stated that they believed the murders were the work of a single perpetrator. The claim that a serial killer was creeping around Jennings was a convenient explanation that gave them plausible deniability when it came to vaguely answering questions from the community. Later that spring, on May 10, 2007, 26-year-old Whitney Dubois was found naked on a secluded roadway. Like Loretta Lewis, Whitney was a known sex worker. Some sources state that her body had no visible signs of trauma. It was suggested that she may have been asphyxiated, perhaps with a cloth or a rag. But in an article published in the Washington Post in 2019, it was reported that Whitney had been badly beaten prior to her death. So there are conflicting accounts of what condition the body was in when it was discovered. As these bodies were recovered from the bayou surrounding Jennings, Louisiana, the Sheriff's Department periodically identified and arrested suspects who may have been involved in the disappearances. The suspects tended to be pimps, drug dealers, ex-romantic partners, but the charges always ended up being dropped due to lack of evidence. Almost as if local law enforcement was merely putting on a show to convince the community that they were taking the murders seriously. Laconia Brown, also known by her nickname, Muggy, was found just weeks later. On May 29th, a Jennings police officer driving to a shooting range found her laying on the side of a secluded road. Her throat had been slashed and her body had been doused in bleach, leading police officers to conclude that whoever had murdered Laconia had some degree of knowledge on how to destroy forensic evidence. Laconia was a sex worker and was murdered at the age of 23. She was black, which I mention because I think it's interesting that the race and ethnicity of these victims does not seem to follow a particular pattern. Some sources have indicated that she personally knew one of the previous victims. Some sources have indicated that Laconia personally knew one of the previous victims, Ernestine Patterson Daniels. In fact, many sources have indicated that all of these women knew each other in some capacity. Because they were drug addicts and sex workers living in a small town, it's not hard to imagine that they ran in similar social circles and frequently crossed paths. Unlike the other women, who had disappeared under vague circumstances, Laconia had been anxiously telling her friends and family, in the days leading to her disappearance and death, that she believed she was in danger, though she was too scared to share specifically why. 
Also, unlike the previous victims who had all been discovered in states of advanced decomposition, Laconia's body was found just hours after she had died. The police stated that this would help them in their search for the killer, as the body would likely provide more evidence than the previous victims had been able to. She is the only victim in the Jennings 8 to have been originally discovered by law enforcement. All other victims were discovered by private citizens. About a year passed, and on September 11, 2008, the sixth victim, Crystal Benoit Zeno, was found. She was a 24-year-old white sex worker discovered in a wooded area just outside of Jennings. Her body was in such an advanced state of decomposition that it took nearly two months to identify her. Her death was ruled a homicide, however the specific cause of death has never been revealed by investigators. And later that autumn, the seventh victim, Brittany Gary, was found. She was just 17 years old, the youngest of all the victims. Her body was found on November 16, 2008, and unlike most of the other women, Brittany was close with her family. Her mother quickly reported her missing. Although the official cause of death was never formally released, one of Brittany's family members later shared that it was due to asphyxiation. Brittany had a close connection to multiple previous victims. Kristen Lopez was her cousin, Laconia Brown was her best friend, and Ernestine Patterson Daniels worked for her mom at a fast food restaurant. In the days leading to her disappearance, Brittany had told her mother that she was distressed by the deaths of her friends and family over the last couple of years. She said that she was scared and didn't know who could be trusted anymore. The final victim, Nicole Guillory, was found on August 19, 2009. She was 26 years old, and like other victims, she had a lengthy rap sheet of criminal charges involving drugs and prostitution. Her body had been found on the side of the road by highway construction workers. Asphyxiation was listed as the most likely cause of death. Years later, while being interviewed for a documentary series about the Jennings Eight, Nicole's mother stated that her daughter had been extremely nervous in the days leading to her disappearance and death. Nicole had told her mother that she believed the local police had been involved in the disappearances of the other women and that she would be next. All of these murders are officially declared unsolved. No one was ever convicted of killing these eight women, and their family members remain without closure. Crystal Benoit-Zeno's mother wrote a statement that is included alongside her daughter's photograph on the Sheriff's Department's official website. She wrote, How beautiful you are. Your smile is forever a reminder of how special you are. It seems like yesterday that you were taken from us. If anyone has any information on my daughter's death, please come forward. Without closure, not knowing who could have done this is very frightening. I pray every day that God will give the task force what they need to solve these cases. Fish farms, sweltering humidity, dirt roads, crack cocaine, 
These are all things you may come across if you visit Jennings, Louisiana. The mysterious deaths of the Jennings Eight have riddled their community with suspicion and fear. Many residents point to various errors made by the sheriff's department. For example, investigators seemed to have a tendency to lose certain pieces of evidence and ignore leads on the case. Jennings was rocked by Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Rita in 2005. Hurricane Rita has been declared the most intense tropical cyclone on record in the Gulf of Mexico, even more powerful than Hurricane Katrina. Although it was less publicized than Katrina, Hurricane Rita left a wake of devastation throughout southwestern Louisiana in September of 2005. Loretta Lewis and Ernestine Patterson Daniels' bodies had been found earlier in the summer, before the hurricanes, and if they hadn't, they almost certainly would never have been discovered. Communities were flooded and obliterated by surging water, winds that reached over 100 miles per hour, and torrential rain. The scars of destruction can still be seen 15 years later. The town of Jennings is spotted with worn-down storefronts and homes. Most buildings are single-story, sun-bleached structures coated with grime. A dive bar called Tina's was once a hangout for many of the victims. Regulars who drink at the stained counter and dance on the bare concrete floor of the one-room building have all sorts of theories about what happens to the women. Many of the regulars even knew the women personally. As the bodies were discovered around Jefferson Davis Parish, police stated that they believed the crimes were the work of a single perpetrator. It's not far-fetched. Jennings is a transient community rife with prostitution and drug trafficking. The kind of neighborhoods where people disappear, and it takes weeks before anyone notices they're gone. All in the middle of the bayou that will quickly swallow and decompose anything that falls into it. It's the perfect type of location for someone to easily target, abduct, and dispose of victims. Police arrested a few different suspects over the four years that the eight women were found, but nothing ever stuck due to lack of evidence. Two of the suspects were even held for months on murder charges until the cops relented and admitted that they did not have enough evidence to bring the suspects to trial. One of the suspects was a strip club owner named Frankie Richard. Richard had a history of assault charges and had known most of the eight victims. He was addicted to crack cocaine, and he was involved in a number of other shady dealings, but ultimately was found to have no involvement with the disappearances of any of the eight women. In fact, he was actually in a rehab facility during the same time one of the victims was killed, proving that he had no involvement. Richard himself says he knows who probably was behind the murders, but that he doesn't want to falsely accuse anyone and make them have to go through the same ordeal that he did. As time went on and answers continued to elude the police, Kristen Lopez's mother told one reporter, Something is wrong in Jeff Davis Parish. She's not alone in thinking that something deeply wrong had been complicating the investigations into the murders of these women. Eight murders over the course of just four years in a town of just 10,000, and yet not a single one of the cases had been solved. By 2010, much of the Jennings community had begun to suspect that local law enforcement may not want to solve the disappearances. 
Although, a task force had technically been organized by now-retired Sheriff Ricky Edwards in December of 2008, less than a year before the final victim, Nicole Guillory, was murdered. Sheriff Edwards created a task force of local law enforcement, police from neighboring parishes, Louisiana State Police, and the FBI. The task force was based out of a vacant storefront at a Jennings Strip Mall and technically remains active to this day. But can the task force be trusted, let alone the sheriff's department? Here are some interesting details to consider. Nicole Guillory, the final victim, was found in August 2009. Like we had said, in the days leading to her disappearance, she had told her mother that she was frightened by the deaths of her various acquaintances over the preceding years, and that she thought law enforcement was involved. Also remember that in May 2007, victim Laconia Muggy Brown had told friends and family that she was in danger, but was too scared to say exactly why, and then she disappeared just days later. Not to mention, and to me this is by far the most incriminating piece of information, Kristen Lopez, whose body was found in March 2007, was last seen alive in a truck that had been recently purchased by the chief detective working at the sheriff's office. But before the witness who'd seen Kristen in the vehicle was able to come forward, the detective had thoroughly cleaned and resold the truck. circulating for years now that law enforcement in Jefferson Davis Parish has been involved in the disappearances of the eight women. As you get deeper and deeper into this story, the strange details that rise to the surface are so numerous and so peculiar that it's not hard to see why the citizens of Jennings are distrusting of law enforcement. A man named Ethan Brown was one of the first reporters to visit Jennings and began interviewing the town about the unresolved disappearances and deaths of the Jennings Eight. After arriving in town, he met a man named David Deschotel. Brown met and interviewed Deschotel, who had key insight to the case. He was a drug dealer who had dated at least two of the victims. When Brown met him, he was in a wheelchair recovering from a gunshot wound. Brown had planned to conduct a follow-up interview with Deschotel the next day, but between the night the two had initially met and the following morning, Deschotel was killed in his home, shot multiple times around 2 o'clock in the morning. When Brown arrived at the house the next day, he was shocked to find that police had not secured the crime scene and were allowing people to casually walk in and out of the residence, sometimes even taking objects with them. Needless to say, this ruined any chances of finding evidence of the killer. Despite the morbid turn of events, Ethan Brown continued to research the story of the Jennings Eight, and eventually published the first comprehensive story of the case in his 2017 full-length novel, Murder in the Bayou. The book outlines the mysterious circumstances of the disappearances and the ensuing investigation by police. One of the most controversial allegations that Ethan Brown raised after spending years researching the Jennings Eight 
was that a Louisiana congressman, Dr. Charles Boustany, occasionally spent nights at the Bordeaux Inn, a seedy motel on the outskirts of Jennings where prostitutes would meet with clients. One of the field representatives who worked for Congressman Boustany was even a co-owner of the Bordeaux Inn. Shortly before Brown's novel was published, a representative for Congressman Boustany emphatically denied the allegations. The representative went further to insist that no illegal activity ever took place at the Bordeaux Inn, which is now no longer in operation. A congressman allegedly frequenting a seedy motel for paid sex was just another scandal in a long list of sketchy happenings around the town of Jennings. Way back in 1997, Dateline NBC aired an episode that detailed illegal traffic stops and seizures that were routinely conducted by officers in Jefferson Davis Parish. Even more disturbing are the series of complaints, criminal charges, and lawsuits regarding sexual abuse and misconduct committed by the local police force. In the early 2000s, female police officers in Jennings filed suit against the town, alleging multiple sexual assaults committed against them by male officers. In 2002, a separate scandal erupted when women spoke out against sex trafficking, rape, and other abuses committed by police officers in parishes in southwestern Louisiana, including Jefferson Davis Parish. Three police officers were charged with corruption as a result of the case. Records revealed that at least six women had been used as quote-unquote currency in a sex ring that was being operated in the Jefferson Davis Parish Jail. The women were forced by police to have sex with other inmates, as well as the officers and guards themselves. Throughout the course of these various incidents, the jail was criticized for having poor lighting and unreliable security cameras. How convenient. And I would be remiss not to mention, the final of the Jennings 8 victims, Nicole Guillory, had been a key witness in the 2002 corruption case against members of the Sheriff's Department. Allegations included that police allowed male inmates into the women's cells as they were sleeping, and stood by while they were raped. Other times, women would be taken to a different area of the jail under the pretense of needing to take special medication only to be overpowered and raped by sheriff's deputies. Deputy Eric M. Phillips was at the center of many of these accusations. He had raped Nicole Guillory in 2002, along with many other women. After being tried in court, he pleaded no contest to malfeasance in office charges and spent one year in prison. He was not charged with sexual assault. During her testimony in 2002, Nicole Guillory described a horrific scene of abuse within the walls of the jail. Beyond the sex crimes being committed, officers also sold drugs to the inmates. Another deputy embroiled in the 2002 scandal, who goes by A.J. Frank, pleaded no contest to a misdemeanor account of criminal mischief. He went on to work for more than 10 years in Eunice County Police Department, just about a half-hour drive north of Jennings. The way these cops cover for each other is just disgusting. Things continued to get murky as the terrifying saga of the Jennings 8 unfolded from 2005 through 2009. It seemed that the police couldn't keep track of certain key evidence. Their records show gaps and inconsistencies in their reports, and there were indications that some of the crime scenes they worked on had been tampered with. 
Furthermore, the task force created by Sheriff Edwards in 2008 included multiple officers from Jennings who were suspected of having previously solicited prostitution from some of the victims. It was a breeding ground for conflicts of interest and corruption, and the investigations seemed as if they had been botched by design, either through gross incompetency or intentional mishandling. A couple of sources I've read indicate that each of the Jennings eight victims may have been working as informants for local law enforcement. This wouldn't be out of the question, especially for a group of people that were so closely involved in sex work and drug use. Police utilize informants to collect evidence on drug trafficking all the time. However, I couldn't find much more additional detail about this aspect of things. So I've decided just to mention it as another possible component in an already very sketchy set of circumstances. Jefferson Davis Parish's current sheriff is Chris Ivey, who has worked in law enforcement in Louisiana for over 35 years. Ivey has decried the claims raised by Ethan Brown's book and firmly stated that any suggestions that police have been involved with the disappearances and unresolved murders of the Jennings Eight are categorically false. Sheriff Ivey said in an email to the Rolling Stone that Brown's information came from unreliable sources and that the task force created in 2008 is still actively working to solve the murders. It's probably also worth mentioning that in the early 2010s, when Brown was following up on leads around Jefferson Davis Parish and trying to research the obscure story and learn more of the facts, he claimed that he was effectively run out of town after police realized what he was up to. Brown even claimed that one of his local contacts warned him. I've already heard more than once you'll never get that book out. You can take that however you want to. The CDC estimates that in 2007, the average rate of homicide in the United States was about six deaths per 100,000 people. In Jefferson Davis Parish in 2007, the rate of homicide was nearly 15 in 100,000, more than twice the national average. Today, around 25% of Jennings residents live in poverty. Overall, the town has a median income of about $29,000 per year. For comparison, the median income across the entire state of Louisiana is about 40% higher. It's an impoverished community that is plagued by hard drugs and violence. While statistically it pales in comparison to the most dangerous areas in America, such as East St. Louis or Detroit, it's not exactly the safest town, even in 2020. This story is a modern example of deep southern mystery. Once I was at a bar in New Orleans, and I was talking to a local about leaving that night and driving around 350 miles north up to Birmingham, Alabama, deep through the bayou and rural wilderness. The man advised against it, saying that it wasn't smart for someone unfamiliar with the area to drive out into the sticks at night. The bayou is full of dark, silty water that appears virtually black after sunset. In the summer, it's brutally hot and humid. Even people who have lived there for long periods of time have told me that it's something you never really get used to, that the air is suffocating and the sky is volatile and stormy. Anything can happen on isolated stretches of road, especially at night. I've traveled extensively throughout the United States, and I'm always taken aback by how quiet things are once you get out of major urban areas. 
Without the light pollution and background ambience of vehicles, this world is a dark and foreboding place. Down in the bayou, a body can be fully skeletonized in just weeks by wildlife, bacteria, and the elements. The seasonal hurricanes and turbulent weather in southern Louisiana move large masses of land around in the bayou, creating new labyrinths of swampland each year as the dirt and mud gets shifted around. As with many stories on DHF, this does make me wonder if there are other victims. Maybe the Jennings 8 is really a Jennings 12, or 15, or 30, and the other victims simply never were found. As far as the police involvement in these murders, I think that Ethan Brown is probably on the right track, but since he is largely the only source who has reported on much of what we currently know about the Jennings 8, we need to be careful about assuming the authenticity of his claims. For example, the potential involvement of a state congressman and the prostitution rings around Jefferson Davis Parish. To me personally, the most damning fact of the Jennings 8 is that of the eight victims who died over the course of four years, not a single one of the murders has been solved. How is that possible, especially since most of the victims knew each other? You'd think that someone involved in at least one of the murders would have been identified by now. It certainly seems like there's something going on behind the scenes that is preventing the full truth from being revealed. I think that there's probably a contingent of deputies working for the Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff's Office who have lived and worked there for many, many years and who have historically taken advantage of their authority. I think that it's unrealistic to think that the entire Sheriff's Department is in on it, but in any case, the situation is still extremely disturbing and raises many questions. If you have any information that you think could be useful to investigators, you can contact Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff's Office. Their contact information is available at their official website, jdpso.org. And if you don't trust them, you can also contact the FBI on their handy Submit a Tip page, available at fbi.gov tips. This is still an open case. I wish I had some type of resolution for you to wrap this up with, but currently, a resolution doesn't exist. Many of the Jennings 8 had family and friends who still live in the town and are still searching for answers. This was episode 31 of Down Home Fear. This podcast started in 2016 and has existed in various incarnations since then. These days, I can be contacted at hunterhkeegan at gmail.com or on Twitter at hhkeegan. Our Facebook group, Down Home Fear Podcast, is still active, and I post stuff on there pretty regularly. It's also a good place for fans of the show to share their thoughts about past stories or post suggestions for new stories. My name is Hunter Keegan. I'll be back, eventually, for episode 32. Thank you for listening. <laughs>